0: This is Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to this week's episode of the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. My guests this week, Charlotte Parsley and Will Hammerton, who have just completed their PGCE at the Faculty of Education at Cambridge University. And I suspect are enjoying a very nice but rather anxious summer as they contemplate beginning their career in teaching. They helped me explore What schools are for? And why should we teach?
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in at ttradio.org or download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in with Teachers Talk Radio.
0: And we're back and you're listening to the Friday morning break with John Gibbs and my guest this week, Charlotte and Will. And I'm so pleased you could join us because uh, my aim on this show, as my listeners, my regular listeners will know, is to explore what teaching is for and what schools are for. I'm a retired teacher. I did 38 years of teaching. And uh, so it is the beginning and the end of the profession. And uh, we can explore what teaching is is from, the, from that, that, that perspective of someone who's just decided to join the profession. So, Will and Charlotte, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having us. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure indeed, and thank you so much again for taking the time. Now, you have both uh, finished, just finished, your PGCEs in, in teacher training, and uh, you're at the very foothills, and congratulations to both of you. I said this to Will before we started, and Charlotte, you as well. You've actually You've got jobs. So I'm going to ask you the first question. You know, how how was that? How was the job hunt? Was it difficult? Easy? Uh, Charlotte, I'll start with you.
2: So um, I'm actually moving back to York. So um, so I've done my teacher training in Cambridge, and then I'm moving back to York, um, which is where my family is. Um, so obviously, when I was searching for jobs, had to go back to York. Obviously, it's all in person. Um, So it was really fun. Um, I really kind of enjoyed um, looking um, around schools and seeing a little bit about um, what kind of different schools are out there in York. So obviously, because I'm from there, I did know a couple of the schools um, that I kind of applied to, which was lovely, and knew a couple of the teachers who were actually then in the school that I was applying to, which I think is really important when you're going to enter um, a new job if you know somebody who's kind of experienced that um, the dynamic of the school it really really helps so that was really um, helpful for me.
0: Did you find you also welcomed with open arms this is good me someone who wants to be a teacher please come in.
2: Yeah absolutely um, yeah I think um, in in the north there is it's definitely a little bit different I think than sometimes in the south so there is definitely less like less schools so um, sometimes it can maybe be a little bit trickier actually getting a job in a specific location when you're like oh I definitely want to be here in York but it was really great and um knowing somebody who had been in that department specifically and um, they were able to kind of help me and guide me to find um the job that was right so that was brilliant
0: and what was your
3: experience of the of the job hunt well I consider myself incredibly lucky with my uh job hunting process because it's um the school I'm working in come September is the is the first one I applied to um it was the the one school I was applying to at the time and I was lucky enough to to be offered that role I I say to my friends in class how oh, it just must be beginner's luck and they're they're all they're all too kind saying no no no, it must be more than that it must be more than that um but getting into my head that uh that, that, that that's happened is is still something I'm I'm coming to terms with all in good ways I promise but uh that was my experience with it
0: I like the confidence uh uh, the clear confidence people showed in you there uh, well you know it must be beginner's luck <laughs> why why did they hire you well it's a lot of faith isn't it
3: but actually it's it's a real privilege to be offered that at this early stage uh, and 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 it's it's sort of like um a tacitly understood agreement that you know you're going to do your best and 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 uh, do it to the best of your abilities and and to try not to let people down because they've they've put a faith in you you know they've looked at you and said, "We're going to take a chance on you. Don't let us down."
0: That's interesting. You should say that because are there moments? I mean, it's often said that teaching is beset by the imposter syndrome, and I, and I and after after twenty five years of thirty years of teaching, I can remember waking up at the ends of the summer holidays thinking, "I can't do this." <laughs> I'd have that kind of dream where I'm te- I go into classes and I think, "I don't what, what me? What do I know?" You know. So do you ever do you ever think to yourself? Uh, it's me what what i can't you know, am i me a teacher is that real
3: so for me um just as while i'm thinking about it the thing that still i find quite baffling and in equal parts baffling and amusing is whenever i'm, I'm in a room and i'm sort of the teacher quote unquote in charge at that at that moment and then people start saying things like sir and i so sort of, and i still have a gut reaction i turn around like what do you mean the older bloke behind me like surely surely you don't mean me you know, you know. um so that's that's for me the moment that hasn't quite gone yet
0: I actually had, uh, well, an experience when my in my very first job. It was in a teach. It was in a sixth form college in Stoke on Trent, and I would only and I was I don't know I was I was in my early twenties, but I looked young. <laughs> I did look young, and uh, I remember being called out by a teacher. He just started. I'd had been there for a couple of weeks, and he said, "What are you doing in there?" <laughs> I said, "Actually, I'm I'm a teacher. I'm allowed in here." <laughs> that was awful, but uh, still, it's more embarrassing for him, I think. Charlotte, how do you do? You ever think to yourself, "What have I done?"
2: Um, well, I mean, I've, I really love working with young people. So I think I I do really get enthused when I'm in the classroom, but I think this two and a half month kind of break is definitely going to be like you said, at the start, at the end of the summer holidays, you go "Oh my days. Um, this is, this is me now I'm going to have to do this day in day out. And you're like, I don't know if I can still do it. Um, but I think also definitely for us as well, we've normally had like our mentor in the room and suddenly this this new transition where suddenly we're going to be the adult in the room so that's something that we're going to have to yeah really get used to like you were saying Will um when they say sir or miss no we are we are them now yeah that's us so i think that will be something to really get used to like we don't have anyone to fall back on but i think it will be like a such a a learning um kind of journey and we will do it because we'll have to
0: Did your school, I remember when I got my first job, um, obviously at the interview I said I was completely able to teach all the history syllabus that they had there, even though that wasn't a particularly strong area of mine, but I I didn't give that away at the interview. So they gave me a great pile of books to read over the summer. Is there anything like that? Have you uh, been given Charlotte stuff to do?
2: Um, So I am a science teacher, um, but biology is my specialty. Um, So I kind of did biomed at university. um, And when I've done my PGCE, it's been biology like the stream. But obviously quite often when you apply for a job you're a science teacher and a science teacher teaches biology chemistry and physics um so yeah very similar um to maybe your experience you kind of have to teach things that maybe aren't quite your specialty but um obviously i still do have um, the qualifications to teach them and still something that interests me um so much um but it will definitely be a challenge um and like a, yeah, a challenging experience, but one that I'm, I'm, I'm excited for because it means I'm learning kind of as well and learning new ways to kind of engage the, the students as I um, learn with them. So hopefully it will be a, a good experience.
0: Yeah, well, well how about you? Have you? Are you putting it out of your mind? Are you going to sort of a week before you go into the school think, well, I better think about this? Or is it going to fill every waking moment till now in September? Uh, well, yeah, I, I like to prepare,
3: but they do say diamonds are made under pressure, don't they? Uh, if I left it a week before, I'd just, I'd just do the best planning ever. I'd be focused like a laser beam. Um, no, no, I, I do think about it. I, I, um, I, I'm i at this very moment thinking about how I'm going to be planning uh, the material. Um, I find out all the, the nitty-gritty little details of it in July when there's an induction proper, but I anticipate a lot of my summer being spent just getting familiar with my timetable. Uh, where am I going to be? Because you know, it, it's it's an incredibly physical job. You know, you, it, it's not just intellectual. You're having to run from classroom A, to classroom B, uh, and I'm going to have to figure out where all these classrooms are in the school as well. Uh, so there are many different things that are that are going around and around in my head at the moment, which I'm sure over time will become resolved, and uh, and they'll just be part of my daily routine rather than the things I think
1: about now.
0: You are listening to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs as we share the experience of Charlotte Parsley and Will Hamilton who are joining the profession as new teachers this year. surprisingly physical teaching. I mean, and not just the clearly those teachers who teach physical education, but the the up on your feet all day. You know, just the simple idea that I you know think goes, well, I've haven't, I haven't really sat down really. today, you know, and constant moving of uh, and so on. Uh, it, as soon as I retired, I started putting on weight. My well, weight had hardly changed in years. So I thought, I'm, I'm expanding rapidly in my in my retirement, which is actually a good thing. Uh, Charlotte, back to you. The one thing that struck me as you were talking there, a, a recent guest of mine, uh, was a, uh, we, we, the, the, the topic was, was an, she was an academic, she was a study that students of science don't think of themselves as scientists. So they all oh, love science. They love science. They love hearing about science. They love black holes and dinosaurs and stuff like that. But then they say, well, do you want to be a scientist? No. And particularly girls. In fact, girls shown a, and another, another study was that girls shown an image of a woman in a white coat says, ah, oh, yes, that's she's dressed up as a scientist <laughs> and shown as a man in a white coat. He's a scientist. Do you, do you, do you think you'll, you know, I mean, have you, have you experienced that during your career? I'm not sure there's a question there somewhere, but I'll make one up as I get there. <laughs> you know, is, there, is, there is that something you experienced?
2: well yeah for sure I I was going to say actually when I was a student myself I wasn't actually taught science by a woman until I got to university Um, and I'm so lucky that my mum is a scientist which I think is what's given me that science capital which is basically like you were saying the ability to think of yourself as a scientist Um, and I think that's kind of been a bit of a a buzzword that we've kind of spoken about on this course particularly like giving students science capital giving them the ability to be like I don't just like this but I want to be a scientist um so um I think I've tried to not think of it too much in the sense of like because I don't want to almost play into that stereotype if you know what I mean I want to kind of be able to just present um kind of you know the content and just make sure that everyone feels like they can be part of it but I think um, there's really something to say for role models as well and something that I think I remember saying in my interview when I was applying to teaching was I I really want to role model a woman in science because I think it's it really, it really um can have an, a massive impact without the words. Do you know what I mean? So just seeing me doing the science, being the scientist, and then getting the students involved with that, um, they can see themselves, hopefully in the future, in that role. Is it for,
0: for both of you, I'll start with you, Will is it Is it a frightening concept, this idea that to some extent you will have a role model influence on people's lives? I mean, I can remember um, encountering a very nice way uh, during my career young people who'd say to me, you know, they would see me in the street. and They'd they'd left school years before and say, ah, you know, Mr. Gibbs, I remember your lesson on such and such. I've never forgotten it. And I thought, well, sorry, I've completely forgotten you. I never gave that away, but I have no idea who you are at all. But that feeling that I'm going to influence people's lives. Oh, my goodness. Well, do you think of that?
3: I, I, think, I think it goes back to the word I've used before, which is a privilege. It's, it's, uh, teaching as a whole is one of those uh, jobs available in, in, in civil service, in, in public service, I should say, which uh, gives you that rare opportunity to really, really understand young people and to, and, and to positively influence their lives where possible, of course. You, you always strive to, to make a positive impact. Um, And I I often say to people, I think, I think teaching to a certain extent and being a teacher is a lot like being a parent. Now, what I would know about that exactly is is absolutely zero right now. But I'm pretty sure that what you do as a teacher isn't all that dissimilar from what a parent does. You look after them, you guide them, you're not just your subject specialist, you're so much more. A credit to any teacher who has somebody come up to them and ask for advice to confide in them about something they're worried about, you name it. Um, And I think it's, uh, it has to be earned. And I really welcome that. Uh, the work I'm going to have to put in to earn that trust and respect, and it's a sense of satisfaction that you don't necessarily get from other jobs. It's the, the cliched line, or it's not like other jobs, but it really isn't for that for that reason. In this case, for that reason, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think any any job will say, well, our job is particularly unique. But I'll go with you completely on that. I don't think teaching is quite like any job. It's both. It's both lonely in the sense that you, it's you and the students. On the other hand, you're part of a tremendous team. works together and that there were all sorts of other paradoxes and things we could get into so Charlotte you 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 don't want to go in front of the kids and say I'm a woman and I can do science (laughs) quite like that but on the other hand that will be one of the roles you'll fulfill whether you like it or not you'll be a positive role model
2: yeah hopefully I really hope so in science and just as um these students develop um I'm really excited to have a form group this year as well so um not just the science side of it, but just to be able to develop um, and walk alongside um, these young people as they um, mature and develop. And like Will said, um, like being a parent, we probably see them more so than their parents sometimes. Um, If they have parents who are working late and stuff, we're the ones that are there um, consistently um, every day um, and so, it, yeah, like Will said, it's a privilege um, to be able to help them and guide them and support them um, through what is probably some of the hardest years of their life, being a teenager. Um, and yeah, we've all, we've all been through that. And so um, we hopefully can relate to them and support them um, like the teachers did for us.
4: It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24.
0: You are listening to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs, as we share the experience of Charlotte Parsley and Will hammerton joining the profession as new teachers this year. Yeah, I thought that was particularly true with what you said there about the the, um, uh, the, 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 there is more to teaching than just teaching and uh, I think, I think that, was, that surprised me even though I thought I knew that uh, when I went into teaching was how many how much of my time would be taken up with their lives with the lives of people being a sort of you know it's in loco parentis being that that that, that parent and uh, all the things that now of course anyone listening to this has said you're probably shouting at the shouting at the radio um what kind what kinds of school and what age groups are you teaching we didn't get into that so well where are you where what kind of school and what age groups are you teaching and what are you teaching
3: yeah so year seven to thirteen uh, modern languages uh, so where I'll be heading, I'll be specialising predominantly in Spanish and French, um, but because I also did Japanese at degree level, it's like my fun party trick language. In other words, if they ever need something like that, I can throw that into the mix and, 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 and
0: spice things up a bit linguistically. Oh, that that is great, yeah. That, I, I can just imagine that, just wowing the kids with a bit of Japanese.
3: <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it, it's even now, uh, having studied and used the language for years I, I still get the same kick out of using it for or, or it, I don't know anything else to say apart from shock value um because I mean the joke is that you know what do you call someone who speaks three languages trilingual or you, you know two languages bilingual one language English
0: yeah <laughs> well yeah
3: um so it's nice to actually so so building on what Charlotte was saying I think part of the uh, part of the job is is uh, really being a, a fierce advocate for your subject um and in my case, languages is one that is pretty shrouded in fear. People are people could have run screaming from it sometimes. They think it's not for me, I can't do it, I have to have a certain brain, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um so uh being that voice of positivity about it and saying, No, this is doable, this is fun and and look look what it can
0: do for you. Um Well, you you did it. And that there's I mean that 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 is no small thing, as you rightly say, in this country. Uh, we, we we have a, we do have a particular problem in this country with modern languages uh, and it's for for obvious reasons um, so, such as the, when you go abroad most people speak English uh, very easily I, I certainly rely on that I just go a bit louder in English and then someone someone in English knows that what I'm talking about but also there are all sorts of cultural reasons and so on about being an island and our history and a sense of historical uh uniqueness but you, you you're i'm sure you're going to confront students who say to you well well, you know i, I don't need it everyone speaks english
3: yes it, it's certainly a risk it's certainly something you you have to face up to the possibility that people just be completely against it um but i think again a lot of that comes from how difficult it's how difficult it is viewed as um it's not very good english is it um how tricky it's it seems to be for a lot of people. And it's this misconception that it's almost impossible and you have to have the right brain for it. Uh, And I think the selling point I use for it when I talk to people about the subject is um, because a lot of my colleagues in in linguists as well, so so depending on who you ask, why you do languages can change. The the pretty salient reason I find when I talk to people is that they do it to understand other cultures and where the differences are. But I'm, I'm completely opposite. I do it to understand where the similarities are. Because there's that perception sometimes that with the different language comes the totally different people, comes the totally inaccessible people. There's, they're nothing like me. Why would I try and engage with them? But they really are. You know, we're, we're all painfully similar to each other. Actually, that's the newsflash you get from learning languages. Actually, we're all really like each other. We all feel pretty much the same things. How we express those things just sounds a bit different and looks a bit different on paper. Um, and accessing that, giving, giving people that same kind of mini epiphany
0: is, is a big motivation for me. Lovely thought. Yeah, I like that. I like the... Uh, it's, it was wonderfully um, comically appreciated in the, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they will put the little fish in their ear and they can all understand modern language. Every language in the universe is understood by everybody and it caused more wars than any other <laughs> As soon as we could really understand other people, we appreciated why we didn't like them. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely... I, yeah, I absolutely take it. Charlotte, What's ki- what kind of school and... Uh,
2: and what age group and so on? So, um, I'm going to be teaching year seven to 11. So, um, the school that I'm at only goes up to GCSE. Um, I can teach A level, but um, not the school that I'm going to be at in September. Um, and it's a C of E school. Um, so, um, yeah, so that would be um, lovely. So, there's a really strong ethos there um, as well. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I'll be teaching all three sciences all the way up to um, year 11, um, which is really exciting
0: ethos it's a phrase that has always been there throughout my teaching career people often say to me things like you know very important the school ethos we have a strong ethos in the school we have a what what is what do you think that charlotte what does that mean to you how do you how do you say I like, this school has a strong ethos and I, I see that i see that happening around me.
2: yeah i think um it's just something that kind of like glues that community together um, and i think i really saw that on my interview interview day and um, the students um Really kind of seem to have a shared vision, and I think that's what it is, having a shared vision because a school is just like a, a commu- like a ready built community. Um, and I think having a vision in in any walk of life is really important, but especially um, when you're younger and you're kind of exploring yourself, being able to come back to that shared vision and know that you've got a group of people that will support that and um, be there as you um, develop um, is really important
0: yes it, and when you see it you know it's there but it's very hard but it's hard to describe and it's hard to sort of find a policy and Say, let's let's have an ethos well how many times have i heard that over the years you know <laughs> it's hard to know but it's hard, it's easy to see
2: yeah that's it and it's when you see when you see it you kind of yeah it's something that you can feel when you kind of walk through those doors or into that community or just kind of how they um are practical um so
0: yeah when you did your teacher training, and so go back a year, must seem a, does that seem a long time ago, a year ago? But uh, when you did your teacher training, uh, some of it would have involved teaching practice, going out into schools and being the teacher. That, that I remember being absolutely terrified by, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I can remember sitting at the beginning of my PGCE course and the teacher said, well, you do eight weeks of this school and 10 weeks of this school. I thought, oh, my goodness. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Did you feel ready as you first walked into that classroom? Did you feel supported and, and so on?
2: Yeah, I definitely felt supported, but I think there's always that kind of initial fear when you're doing something new for the first time. Um so even if you have worked with young people before in different settings like being a teacher, um and doing it for the first time is, is so so alien, isn't it? Because you've you've for your whole life seen the other teacher as you were the student at the front of the class and it never probably looks that difficult but when you're on the other side of it you obviously you do get that um initial anxiety and you think can I do this but um I think what it is it's just kind of the more you do it, the more you feel relaxed with it, and I think that's it. Just being able to get through that those first few lessons really is like the hardest thing, but it really sets you in good stead. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel. The more you feel like you can um, try new things. The more you can get to know your students, and it's just it just takes time and practice, like with anything.
0: So you had a very positive experience of teaching. I mean, the practice of teaching. It didn't. You, there were, there, were there any were there any lessons where you came out and thought, oh dear?
2: Of course, I think if any teacher says that there isn't a less like a few lessons where they've come out and thought, what was that? Then um they're lying, because it, it is something that sometimes you have massive highs and everyone's engaged and it works really well. And then you have lows where you think, Oh, I thought that was gonna work amazingly, and it just doesn't. Um and that's okay, but I think that's what the training year is all about, is giving you the opportunity to to try all these things and not think oh I can't do this if it ha- if you have a really bad lesson it's saying you know let's let's try again let's do it again tomorrow and maybe we'll see improvement and and I think having that support there is is um really important
0: yes you, you do have to be very forgiving of your own frailty and failure <laughs> and, and 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 not expect every lesson to be the wizzy, brilliant extraordinary
2: yeah, absolutely. I think one of them, the things one of our um, lecturers said at the start was like a bad lesson doesn't make you a bad teacher. And I think that's kind of just sat with me like throughout whenever you have that bad lesson, it doesn't um, it doesn't reflect you as a whole teacher. Um, so, yeah, you do. You do have to f- be forgiving of yourself, but also be able to pick yourself back up and go, let's try it again.
0: Will, how was your um, teaching, exp- teaching practice, the actual moment when you were like, in you go as a class?
3: So, um in my background, I've done an awful lot of performing. I've spent most of my life doing like choral music and singing. And um, every Sunday I'd have to uh, be the cantor, which is just the fancy name for the person who does the the presses and the presses and responses of like Anglican choral music. And it's incredibly exposing. You stand there by yourself in front of a church slash chapel slash cathedral sometimes of of any number of people. And it's just you. And... That years ago was just terrifying, awful. (laughs) But but like teaching, it has a performative aspect, and you have to put on that face for a while. You have to assume that that personality that isn't necessarily genuinely you yet. But the beauty of that is that the the positive experiences you have with that uh, more confident version of yourself means that the real you gets a kick out of it. So then that fake confidence to begin with over time becomes real confidence and you stop pretending sort of quote unquote you then have that real confidence that allows you to walk into a classroom stand in front of people and know what you're doing and feel and feel sure of yourself and we were talked to i'm, I'm sure it's similar for charlotte you, you get that swap in experience uh in what your priorities are i should say at the start you're constantly thinking about how do i come across but then by the end of the year you're more often thinking how are they learning? You know how how are they doing? Not me, which is that lovely transition. I think
0: absolutely. I think it's that sense of well. I remember teacher saying to me, "What, John? Just remember, kids will know a fake. Be yourself." And I thought, I'm not sure I want to be myself. Like I've got to somehow be more than myself. <laughs> so finding finding what what is I'm um, doing? Am I a performer? Is the is this teacher John one of the roles I'm going to play? And I think it was to some extent a role, and it was one that became natural and it was that was the key I think well you said it rightly there you so you're acting in a way, but you're acting but you are you have to you have to perform as the teacher, but you have to um, on the same hand that has to become part of you uh, that, that's true. I remember that was it um Groucho uh, Marx who said um the main the main the main thing in life is authenticity above all authenticity, and if you can fake that, you're made <laughs> so I think that there was there's a degree of that. If you can if you can master the authentically inauthentic, then you're there. Charlotte, did you feel that you had to draw upon performative skills?
2: Um, yeah I think to a degree everybody does and I think sometimes you're not sure or like you don't really recognize that you're doing it until you kind of take that step back out of the classroom Um, and then you can kind of breathe again Um but like Will said I think towards the end you kind of the pressure gets taken off you and you become more focused on on the students like just like kind of looking back at that progression like those first kind of initial targets were very like uh, me driven like be able to stand in front direct instructions you know and then by the end I'm like am I making sure that the these activities are adapted to my students and that their outcomes are um are the best that they can be and that they feel included and safe and supported within that classroom um for sure and then you kind of feel like you've embodied that teacher persona and it's kind of like you said it is it is part of you um so I think that's just a natural progression you can't quite say when that day is but you kind of are able to look back and see that it's happened
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
5: BBC News website covers pressures being faced by providers of summer holiday clubs and activities as the rising cost of food drives down the value of support for pupils on free school meals. BBC News research shows that 67 of 92 councils have cut their support or kept it the same as last year leading to a drop in value when food inflation currently at over 17% is taken into account Across all four home nations offers vary but support has ended completely in Northern Ireland In England many councils offer vouchers to those eligible The vouchers can be spent in supermarkets but inflation means that the price of many foods has gone up Further pressure has been added to families as those eligible are also finding it hard to access places on the Holiday Activities and Food Programme in some parts of England. The programme offers support with activities and food, but some providers say they don't receive enough funding to cover the increasing levels of need. One provider in West Yorkshire said they only got funding for 20 places, but had 70 children who would qualify on their waiting list. The news site further reports that a controversial decision to scrap free school meal help in Wales during the holidays could end up in the courts. The charity, the Public Law Project, is acting on behalf of a woman in Cardiff who says she and other families had no time to prepare for the short notice decision and that the government did not think about how to reduce the impact of the change made. The Welsh Government insisted that the announcement made in March gave fair warning to those affected But a decision to reinstate the programme for the May half term appears to have caused confusion for many, as there was no clear announcement that this was the final extension of the scheme. The Guardian covers a report from the United Nations, which calls for a ban on smartphones in schools. UNESCO, the UN's Education, Science and Culture Agency, said there was evidence that excessive use was linked to reduce educational performance. It went on to suggest that high levels of screen time had a negative effect on children's emotional stability. UNESCO concluded its report saying, Not all change constitutes progress. Just because something can be done, it does not mean it should be done. Referring clearly to the idea that technology as a whole, including artificial intelligence, should never supplant face-to-face interaction between students and teachers. The report said that countries needed to have clear objectives and principles to ensure digital tech in education was beneficial and avoided harm both to individual students' health and, more widely, to democracy and human rights. UNESCO did accept that online learning stopped education melting down when schools and universities closed during pandemic lockdowns, but added that millions of poorer students who lacked internet access were still left behind. Countries banning smartphones include France, which has had it in place since 2018, and the Netherlands, launching a ban from 2024. Former Education Secretary Gavin Williamson called for bans in England in 2021 as part of a crackdown on poor student discipline. But he was criticized as failing to understand that schools had had policies regarding phones in place for years. In the USA, CBS News reports on changes to Florida's social studies curriculum for 2023. The news website states that the new curriculum will include lessons on how slaves develop skills that could be used for personal benefit. The lessons will be taught to students in sixth to eighth grade. They include teaching students on understanding the causes and consequences of the slave trade, the similarities and differences between serfdom and slavery, and the contact of European explorers with systematic slave trading in Africa. Vice President Kamala Harris voiced her opinions on the curriculum changes, calling them an attempt to gaslight us. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dismissed Harris's criticism and one of the co-authors of the new curriculum said, any attempt to reduce slaves to just victims of oppression fails to recognize their strength, courage and resiliency during a difficult time in American history. The new curriculum has been criticised heavily by many who see it as just another example of the conservative agenda, which seeks to quash views not aligned with its own. Finally, Schools Week report on a police investigation into cyber attacks on exam boards Pearson and OCR, which led to the arrest of a 16-year-old boy. Both boards had exam papers extracted from their systems and sold online. The youth was arrested in early July on suspicion of theft, fraud, by false representation and computer misuse. He has been released on bail until early October. This has been your Teacher's Talk Radio News with Joe Fox
1: this is two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio hello over the next few episodes i'm going to discuss connections so let's get wired or not as the case may be the plan was to do this in order of most essential however a chicken and egg question came first what is the most essential connection the internet or your display device without the internet there'd be far less interaction however how does this compare to the ability to display your screen to the class i asked you on twitter and at elizabeth j rowan was the first to answer with i'll hasten to add the most popular choice the internet there's 1001 ways to present or display information. I couldn't agree more, and talking of more, at more to learn, question my question, asking why do I have to choose? Showing the expectation we teachers have for both. However, when asked to choose, the answer was the internet and give me a whiteboard pen. So Let's talk about the internet and the difference it makes to teaching. We have a connection to the biggest network of networks at our fingertips, indexed by powerful search engines that return results in seconds, even ranking them in an order of likelihood of them containing the answer we are looking for. Obviously, we need to swerve adverts and fake news from time to time, but what a resource we have. For those of us willing to admit they were around, Twenty years ago, teachers were still transitioning from chalkboards. Every teacher was in the process of getting a laptop, the projector was on a trolley you wheeled into the classroom, and social media didn't exist. You couldn't just take a virtual tour inside a volcano or go on an interactive 3D journey through the digestive system, have a guided tour around a highly secure Google storage facility, drop a jelly baby on a map, walk around the coast of Spain, Italy or Australia. The internet has brought us all of this, and harnessing, filtering and presenting its power to our pupils has become an art that we have had to master so here are a couple of tricks you can use to keep yourself organized control plus D bookmarks a page but did you know that if you make a folder of bookmarks you can right-click and open all all of your bookmarks in that folder open as new tabs this is great if moving from one lesson to another on a different topic if you use a lot of YouTube clips and websites wakeless is a great way to organize collections of links and clips it's free to make an account and you can share collections via links with pupils I like to finish with a question do you know the difference between the internet and the World Wide web tune in next week to find out why not get in touch follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech i'm steve woods and that was two minute tech
0: you are listening to the friday morning break with john gibbs as we share the experience of charlotte parsley and will hammerton who are joining the profession as new teachers this year and it can become a little bit like um, you can incorporate the teacherly persona a little too readily into your life so outside of school you you find yourself explaining things to people in a very teacherly way
2: (laughs) you do yeah and everyone goes oh that was so teacher you you had you had you had your teacher voice on there and I'm like oh did I because you just embody it so much
0: uh it, it was highly infuriating to my wife over the years i mean a natural inclination to mansplain things anyway but as a teacher to launch into a structured answer <laughs> don't need to be taught this <laughs> uh when you when you tell people uh well i'm i'm going to become a teacher is it so that 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 now sounds uh, believable and uh, how do people react so i know that you both have fairly well i'll, I'll say it you know stellar successful academic careers behind you so far, you've done very you've done very well. And as as such, teach, teaching was one of many options you could you could have pursued and could pursue. So when you say to people, I'm gonna become a teacher, what was the what was the reaction? I'll start with you, Charlotte.
2: Um so um I think for my family I had um a lot of a lot of support. My grandma was a teacher, and so kind of it's um in, in she's always um Talking about how much she loved her profession, um, which is always some, a lovely thing to be able to say, Oh, and then I've become a teacher, which is lovely. Um, I think sometimes from my, um, friends, um, and kind of like people that I know that are more my age, it's kind of like, Whoa, that's so brave. Um, Oh, oh my gosh. Um, wow, that's a hard, that's a challenging, um, career that you're going into like that that's amazing um and so sometimes I'm like there's almost sometimes a little bit of like a almost negative spin people um kind of perceive it um as a very very challenging and difficult lifestyle and vocation that you've chosen to go into um and sometimes that's kind of I guess quite upsetting because I'm like it's you know I don't want it to be seen as something like that's going to be a really have a real negative effect. i want it to be a celebrated thing and because it's something that's so important to society um, and it contributes you know so much to society good teachers you know mean that we have a better society in the future and sometimes i don't know if there's a little bit of disconnect between that um which is maybe you know part of why you know the there is a recruitment crisis and and people you know they're struggling to recruit because society doesn't deem it as um you know, I guess maybe even an academic or um, a kind of a viable um, kind of career. But I think having spoken to a lot of people and kind of discussed and explained what this year has entailed um, and being able to have that opportunity has helped people to see that this is, a, you know, a, a great thing to go into. And there's there's so much opportunity there um, and so so much reward as well.
3: Well, it was a career direction that was uh, proposed to me a few years ago, actually. I was very late to the party. I, I was the classic, oh, this will never be me. Surely I, I could never do that. Um, but family for a long time was saying it would suit me and that it would be something I should um, should really seriously consider. So actually, from from family and friends, it's, it's well received. Actually, they welcome it. They think, oh, you would make a good feature, which is always lovely to hear. Um, So the amount of uh, the possible stigma, I haven't quite yet been on the receiving end of. Um, But I'm aware that it's there. I'm aware that a lot of people say the same things that I or Charlotte would and get the reaction of what on earth are you thinking? What are you doing? I mean, surely that's too difficult. But the, but the, the motivation for me as well is that is that actually what a lot of people say about other careers is just there's that the B word boredom. They experience boredom in one way or another. There's that lack of challenge that goes on, um, and that's just that just doesn't happen in teaching. You are so many things, but you're never bored, ever. Um, so that's that's something that that has the, the 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 that's another appeal, and that's why I I think as I say I, again when I say it to people who who know about teaching as a career, they they are uh, knowledgeable about it. They know what it entails. They think, well, then you, you're going to be challenged. But that's still a good choice.
0: That's going to keep you, you know, firing on all cylinders up here, you know, up in your noggin. I can absolutely endorse that. There was there was never a boring day. There was plenty of uh, ups and downs. <laughs> so we can you can list the list the gamut of human emotion from despair to uh, to, to being ecstatic. But there was there was never there was never boredom, and lots of occasions when you know you, the unexpected happened. You know, you didn't expect kids to. Do that. (laughs) Fall anything from fall out of a window to uh, to all the things that you can imagine happening in a a long teaching career uh, that you didn't expect when you got up that Monday morning. Yeah, it it won't be boring. One of the I mean, you're you're absolutely right. You both said it. One of the reasons I'm asking that question is because of the the retention crisis, the recruitment crisis. Two things are going on in teaching, and they've been going a long time on and off. I don't know that I've ever known they're not yet. Kind of um, recruitment crisis in teaching, but this is particularly acute. And uh, getting people to be teachers and getting people to stay in the profession—this uh, is probably an unfair question. Actually, do you see yourselves as career teachers, or do you see yourself as give it, give it, see how it goes? I mean, or, or is that just a silly question? I, don't know.
2: Um, I, I personally see myself as a career teacher. Um, I almost now can't really see myself in in anything else I feel like I've found my thing um I I love being around um young people I love being around um people um and when I'm in the classroom I feel um kind of like I come alive do you know what I mean I feel like I love um i love my subjects um i love being in that environment i love being able to see that progression um in people and being able to be part of that and help them reach their you know their full potential whether that's in science or whether that's just that they can get up and come to school on on one on a day if they're not feeling great like you, do you know what i mean each student kind of has their own little success that they need to reach but i want to be part of that journey whatever it is and i think i've 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 come from a different job um, so i didn't go straight um into teaching from from university um, i've worked in healthcare um for a while um, and i've also worked in the civil service and they were they were great like i'm not putting them down but it's not where i felt like i thrived it's not where i felt like i was able to do the best i could do as as a human um, and i feel like with teaching i feel like i have found um I found the thing where I can do that and where I hopefully can yeah excel um and and be the best version of myself and help other people do the same so yeah so that's where i'm at at the moment i really hope that this momentum keeps going and i understand with any job like there comes a point where it's it's the daily grind but like i say that that is um, the reality of any job um uh, you know you speak to people in all different careers i've got friends in science i've got friends in sales i've got friends um, in healthcare. care um, and you know we all have challenges in our in our jobs we all have um things that may it make it difficult Um, but it's kind of about how you overcome them and how you view it and your mindset about it so I really hope that the momentum that I feel right now um, continues but I also am on board with you know fighting you know alongside teachers because education is important um, and I really want to be part of it and I only want it to get better not worse
0: yeah I think that uh, at its best and I can give this out completely honestly, it was a job where I thought, my goodness, they're paying me to do this. This is, this is this is just a brilliant, brilliant thing to be to be doing. And that isn't playing down. There is something clearly very serious going on when an awful lot of teachers leave quite soon after becoming teachers. I wouldn't, have blamed you at all. If you'd said to me, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be a career, or even if you would said I don't visage myself long career, I think it's perfectly reasonable for people to ent- enter the profession saying, I'll see how this goes. Will, how do you, how do you see yourself as a career teacher? Again, it's an unfair question, but I'll use it. And a career teacher or someone who is going to see how it goes?
3: Hmm. Well, What I've learned this year, um, the year just gone, is that um, education has those two uh, crucial dimensions that can coexist. One being the practical dimension, which is teaching, standing up in front of a class, doing everything that a conventional, quote unquote, teacher would do. Uh, and then there's the academic side of it. Education as a, a human endeavor. You know, what does it mean? You know What does official versus unofficial knowledge mean? What is school for? What is it? You know, all of those big questions. And we've and Charlotte and I have, have been looking at those two things together simultaneously all year. So what that has meant for me is having found that I have a real passion for both and a real interest in learning more about both. Uh, what I'm saying, I think, for the answer to, to answer your question most immediately is, I think the practical side is something I will do for a while. How long that while is, I don't know, but I do know that at some point, whether it's in the next year, two, three, four, how many years, I would like to spend some time doing more the more academic side of things, looking into uh, education as as you know uh, the well put it this way, the more philosophical sides of education as well. Um, and I, I wouldn't want to be just in one or the other forever. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm giving you a very annoying answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but that's, that's my, that's my take on it. And and, and I, I would love to really, really get to grips with, with both sides of that coin. Yeah.
0: Mm, no, my, my answer when I first went to teaching would have certainly been, I, I don't really imagine myself teaching forever. <laughs> that uh, it would have been something that I would have, done for a while i definitely had some vision of myself doing other things that's that that sounds like yes but they got me so yeah 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 Will you might think you're gonna do other things <laughs> but once you're in <laughs> no i mean, i i definitely thought that well i mean i don't like the expression the, the 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 organization teach first i think i like them in the sense of what they're doing but i don't like the expression teach first because it implies that you, you wouldn't really want to if, you, if you're a highly intelligent person like you two, clearly you don't want to do this forever, do you? <laughs> give it a go first before you get a proper job. I think, uh, you know, give teaching a try is a perfectly reasonable ob- observation to make. The thing, I mean, there was a, a survey, we talked about this in a previous, as your mum will know, well, on Teachers Talk Radio, being one of our most devoted listeners. Well, no, we talked about the recent survey of teacher... Life, 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 life survey. I've got the title wrong now, but it came out that the thing that burned teachers out most were not so much the actual teaching. And and Charlotte, you you described the very delightful experience there of being in the classroom. And I, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's there are a few things nicer in some ways when it's going well. There are some few things nastier when it's not going well. But there are a few things nicer when it's going well. But outside the classroom, a whole lot of stuff. And as I went on and became a more experienced teacher, the classroom stuff got increasingly easier. The, few, the, the, the difficult lessons became fewer. And the, the, the plan B's were always in the back of my mind in that way that it weren't always so readily available in the first day teaching. But the thing that got worse over the years um, was the sort of the data, the collection of data, the bureaucracy and the sense of being um, monitored. Uh, there's an awful lot of discussion at the moment in teaching and surveillance. And the teachers are, I said it's a lonely profession, but it's not as lonely as it used to be in a sense. You, when you closed your classroom door, you're in your own little world, but not so much. I mean, was there a sense that you met when you met other teachers or when you were in your schools that people said to you, oh, why well, are you going into teaching this? It's all paperwork these days. So, did, you get, did, did people warn you about the, the stresses that are not teaching?
2: Um, yeah, I think when I said that I was going to go into teaching, I'm really fortunate to to know a lot of teachers, actually. Um, and so I think I went into this knowing that it was going to be, yeah, not just the classroom, there's so much more outside of that, the admin side of it, the workload side of it, the data side of it, keeping on top of targets, making sure that students are making progress, all of this, like, um, so... I wasn't unaware of that. I didn't go into this thinking, oh, this will be fun. I like working with young people. Great, let's just give it a go. Um, I think I'd kind of built up to this and I I had spoken to a lot of people and so I was very aware. Um, But I think it's different hearing it and then obviously like being in a school and like kind of seeing it. Um, And obviously there there were meetings and department meetings where, you know, we had to do curriculum plans and admin stuff that, you know, you could see that it was a tick box exercise and stuff that, um, that, you know, wasn't necessarily people's passion. It wasn't what they went into teaching for, but they knew they had to do it to tick the box to, um, you know, make sure that they were going to have a job the next day because it was something they just had to do. And, you know, yeah, that is a side that I've definitely experienced, but I definitely know that I'll experience a lot more in the next few years. Yeah, it, it is really difficult and it's something that I'm aware of and I think will have to be something that I'll have to, as I approach it, understand how I'm going to deal with that personally because it's not something I guess in your training year that you've had too much exposure to um, but it's not something that I'm unaware that's going to happen but I know that it's something that I'm going to have to talk about and be able to manage so that it doesn't isn't the thing that wears me down
0: absolutely yes and I think that all across the country anyone listening to this, any teacher listening to this said uh, the tick box exercise will be a familiar phrase to them an idea that you're doing certain bureaucratic activities because that is necessary f- f- for them in their own, they serve themselves, you know, you're, ser- you're serving the collection of data, the data isn't serving you. Well, that, that I think that can be a problem in any organisation probably, but teaching has become a somewhat more bureaucratic, I would say that, I, that's an unfair thing to say. Uh, Will, did you experience that? I mean, do you, did you feel that there was a sense in which the teacher said to you, oh, for goodness sake, it's not the teaching that's the problem, it's everything else? Um, yeah, well,
3: one of my colleagues was saying very much <clears throat> something to that, something on those lines. They were saying, it "For for me, it's the, the being in the classroom, doing all the teaching is is the is the most gratifying part of it, and having to uh, upload all the data to various pages was just draining, and you know, draining in the extreme, and not and again going back to not what I got into the profession for kind of uh, kind of line, uh, and it, and and I would agree it's because I, in in my limited, albeit limited experience thus far, um it has become seemingly a very bureaucratic profession i think it's that um almost the, the the neoliberal well i would call it the neoliberal priority of of the government to turn education into this product you know where 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 parents and students are the consumers and they're pitted against schools are pitted against each other to be competitive in these league tables you know which one is going to stand out which one should you send your children to which then has knock on effects for who does or does not actually get the best education because funding is increased or whatever. And it does alarm me. It does alarm me because then you get to the point, I was reading someone who was saying, was it Terry Wrigley years and years ago? I mean, this has been going on for 40-ish years as far as I can understand with, you know, with inspection becoming a more prevalent thing. Um, That what can't be measured anymore, the, the data you upload, if, you, if it can't be measured, it can't
0: count, if that makes sense. That's been really interesting. Things are validated by the, the by the ability to measure, so that re- that reaches back into your practice, so that you you do you do the measurable thing. Yeah, uh, I I understand that. The it's it, you know in a sense it, it it's a it's a shame that that's the case, and I think you've identified something that I would definitely agree with: the the, the neoliberal competitive nature, schools turning schools into competi- competitors with each other. As you look ahead. Technology will change the schools. Do you think they'll be this? Do you think there will be this as your career goes on the same as they are now, classrooms and so on? What would you imagine schools of the future to be, Charlotte?
2: Um, so that's a really interesting question, actually. Um, so at the school that I'm going to, um, every student has an iPad, so that's already you know something that every student has access to. Um, they yeah obviously have access to the internet kind of constantly um whereas some of the schools that I've been training in um obviously it's been kind of the opposite like very much more paper based stuff um whereas the school that I'm going to go into will obviously be a lot more kind of there'll be a lot more technology based learning and i think this it can be really helpful for kind of creating independent learners because um, As teachers, obviously, we want to facilitate and guide. um, But if we can help these students be able to do that, um, we can kind of help them do that and then give them the kind of access and resource to do that on their own. That is ultimately what we want to do. Um, So I guess technology can be used for the better. um, But obviously, I don't think it should, I guess, replace us as teachers. I still think um, that human input is um, necessary and important.
0: Yes, the AI teacher. Let's <laughs> yes. the hologram. Yeah, I I, did, I I experienced it just towards the end. I, like a lot of people, I retired. Uh, I was sixty three when I retired, and I and it was coming up. me you know, I think I, I retire soon. But lockdown did that for me, and it was sort of the lockdown, being at home, <laughs> teaching online, and thinking, oh, yeah, I can, I can stop now. And I don't know quite what it was, but it certainly wasn't a very enjoyable experience teaching online. And, uh, and people often said, well, teach it. Why, why have school buildings? We can teach us, um, there can be all sorts of technology that teaches, teaches you outside of school. Uh, so Will, how do you, how do you think? I, I actually, I'm gonna well, share another anecdote with you. When I was at school, I remember going into modern languages classes and they said, we have in our school now, this is like 1972. <laughs> and they said, we've got the language labs. And you sat, the kids all sat in little cubicles and they had tape players in front of them and the, and the language teacher sat at the front and could randomly listen in on you. So you didn't know whether they were listening or not. And you'd have to be repeating back in Spanish, as it was in my case, repeat back in Spanish and they would and then record it and listen to a thing and record it. And, and then every now and again, your earphones, so I got earphones on now, that was, the teacher's voice would say, say that again and don't or don't say that because obviously kids were swearing in and recording very rude things. But the. The language lab—they were all ripped out a few years later. It didn't work. There wasn't a technological way of teaching languages. What's, what's your view on the technology and language teaching?
3: It can be a real aid. There's so much access to authentic material because of technology. Thanks to technology, I should say, uh, YouTube is a really rich resource. I mean, I mean, because YouTube again is used by sort of the younger generations as um, a lot now, and it's there shows different accents of Spanish or different vocab. Um, Whereas before, you know, it would have been, right, you've got to find the recording on the textbook and that was it. But actually, there is a real wealth of resources that technology can offer that I always try and steer people to um, to get the best. out. Of it.
0: The, the odd thing about teaching is that it, 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 there's all sorts of technologies come in and yet it stays persistently similar. Someone from the 19th century walking into a school would know they were in a school. They wouldn't. They wouldn't confuse themselves anywhere. They would, the whiteboards might confuse them or the smart boards or the laptops. but ultimately there's a teacher and there's a there's 30 or so kids. So my final question to you both is why teach? Well,
3: I, I've, I spent most of my school life doing European languages. and then when I went to uni to, to undergrad to do Japanese, it was a whole new ball game, an entirely entirely new thing. It wasn't just a question of putting a new train on a on an existing set of tracks. you know you had to ask for planning permission. You know, you've got to get the different things wired. You know, the, the syntax is, is the other way around. Everything. And I had to do everything from scratch. And that granted me, I would say, the best perspective I can get on what it really is like to struggle, to just see a jumble of letters and to think, what on earth is going on? It, teaching isn't because you don't teach because you've got to the point of knowing everything and now it's time to share. You, you teach because you're still going. You're still learning. Um, and making that clear, I think, to your students is vital.
2: Definitely, like, your experiences as a human kind of do direct you to certain things in life. Like, I definitely think, yeah, the things that, you know, I've done as a as a, as a young person and then as a student have kind of helped me and guided me here to where I am today. But um, I think what I've learned definitely on my PGC year is that every teacher looks different and that there isn't, like, one thing that you know a person that is definitely a teacher there isn't um, one personality type there isn't um, one way of doing things and I think that is really important and that we can definitely learn um, and train um, to be in this profession Um, and I think that's really important to know that I think most people could with the right support and structure um, be able to do um, this job if they are passionate about their subject. Um, and I think that's, that's really important because in this day and age where we, you know, are in, um, a kind of recruitment crisis and stuff, I think it's really important that people know, um, that this is something that they could learn and it's a skill that they could develop, um, and something that they could be supported through, um, And that it's so fulfilling, challenging, yes, but so stimulating. Um, You learn so much about yourself, but also about your subject and about humans and about development. Um, And I think that that door should be left open um, to people and they shouldn't write it off if they don't feel like they have the right personality.
0: So I've del- it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you very much. Anyone listening to this, I think, will have learned a lot, and I've learned a lot and, and also enjoyed that. Enjoyed listening to your perspective from the foothills of, of the of the teaching career. So, um, Will and Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. To an end this week's episode of the Friday morning break from John Gibbs as I explore what schools are for. This week my guests Charlotte Parsley and Will Hamilton, new teachers who just begun the profession having completed their PGCEs at Cambridge Faculty of Education. I asked a simple question this week, why teach? Why should anyone consider coming into teaching and indeed The main story at the moment is that it's quite difficult to persuade people to come into teaching, and many people leave. Rather than explore that, I wanted mostly to make the case for teaching, and I think Will and Charlotte did it brilliantly. Both were clearly aware of the powerful role models that teaches her. A lot of the teaching takes place outside the curriculum. Of course, I know that most experienced teachers are aware of this, but it's great to be reminded hear it so enthusiastically and optimistically expressed. I also enjoyed Will's observation that through modern languages we learn how different as well as how similar we all are. It's quite clear as expected both Will and Charlotte are a little nervous apprehensive but full of a delight in the possibilities of teaching. That's really the way it should be. I also thank Will for the use of the word noggin underused should use it more if you've enjoyed this episode you can hear it again on Spotify or on Teachers Talk Radio listen again thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed the discussion I certainly did
4: a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills, through inclusive and relatable content the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash 24
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio
1: Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org